Jordan, you don't know how excited I am. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> I'm delighted to be here. Now, you've had an incredible career in music, umpteen solo albums, uh, platinum award winning songs for uh, Rod Stewart, Dinah Ross, Cher, uh, the list goes on. Uh, you've won uh, numerous ASCAP, Juno, SOCAN and Smooth Jazz Awards in over 40 years. Terrible, isn't it? Over 40 years. Uh, once upon a time, I thought... If anybody says that to me, I'll never talk to them again. But you've excelled. You've excelled in many popular musical genres. And your recent album, uh, Both Sides, uh, fabulous one, uh, New Direction, covering songs you loved with the Prague Symphony Orchestra. Tell us more about that. How did that happen? How did you find out about the Prague Symphony Orchestra? Well, my arranger, Lou Pamonti, I was listening to the I was listening to Jazz FM in Toronto, uh, and uh, I heard this wonderful singer from Toronto. But the the string arrangement behind him was unbelievable, and I thought, I wonder where the hell he got that arrangement because it, it sounded, uh, you know, so it, it just sounded incredible. And uh, I I tracked it down, and it was Lou Pamonti. Uh, another Torontonian who who I, I I knew as a piano player years ago, and um, I just called him up and I said let's let's do a record. I just because I was going to do a record of covers for the first time. So I, and I was thinking about doing it with an orchestra, and he said, "All right." He said, uh, I, "He said I usually use the Prague Symphony because they're affordable and they're great," and he he was right. Mm. Sounds fabulous. What about another one? Do we have uh, Undur Part Two coming up? Well, I'm going to do another. I'm, I'm first. I'm doing a duet record with my wife Amy, mm-hmm. Amy Sky, and uh, then I'm going to do another one, another record. I, 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 I probably some of it will be orchestral, but I might split it up a little bit. Looking at your your family with uh, Amy. Uh, I think it's Ezra and Zoe. Uh, yeah. You're like the modern-day Von Trapp family. <laughs> <laughs> but you're all talented. And, uh, I mean, and your parents, uh, your father was very talented too. Um, so do we see, um, uh, uh, and bad to say, but do we see any, any more budding Mark Jordans coming from the, because uh, is, is, uh, Ezra is into alternate music and... <laughs> Um, and countries are very strong influence with your family. So uh, when when do we actually see a family album? A bit like um, oh God, I you know my, our you know like kid, kids hate to be associated with their parents in, in any way. I you know they I don't think they do it. 
but I think they will when they get a little older and hopefully I'll be around. And uh, I'll, you know what? I'll let them choose the time because I don't want to push it on them. They're, they're already better than I am anyway. So, <laughs> so well, uh, the, I, I, I don't know. They do. I don't know if they are better. I mean, the it's been, and here's another thing. People say, oh, that's a better artist. That's a be- better singer. I mean, everyone has, especially in, if you're a musician, you generally, and when, you, when you've honed in your skills, you, um, I don't think there's any better. I think there's someone, that, someone that reaches yeah. uh, an, an accomplishment. Um, yeah. maybe, you, maybe you could do some alternate music. You haven't done any... Um, have you done any, no. done any Oasis? I mean, the, the closest I've seen just recently is uh, Lou Reed's Walk on the Wild Side. And, I, and, and, and you kept the lyrics there too, which I thought, whoa. Yeah, I, I, well, I had to fight for that. <laughs> you know, it's very, very politically incorrect, the lyrics of that song. But, you know, that song is like a document. Mm. It's, my, it's history and you don't erase it. You don't change it. It's because it then you don't really get like great songs change with the time mm. you know they reflect they can reflect more than one time and uh i think the case with with walk on the wilds i also think i also think uh, clouds uh johnny mitchell's uh clouds is a it's a song that changes has changed over time the meaning of it has changed over time because i i remember hearing her sing that in the village here in toronto when she was 19. wow you could go to see Joni for two bucks at a club called the riverboat here in toronto and and uh, then i heard her do it with the london symphony when she was in her 70s and it was the same song, but it was completely different in, in, in a way, too. I think Joni, in one interview, said that she would not have been able to write that song these, this day and age because they closed the windows of, um, of the plane, yeah. so you can't look out. <laughs> so that's... Yeah. And at times, though, they've changed, and um, I'm sounding a bit like my dad here, you know, the old days, but... Music is, is, is really a lot different, isn't it? Because if you think about, um, you know, when we grew up, uh, my, my father had the 78s and then um, uh, we had the, uh, the 45s and the 33s, the, the albums for those not familiar with this technology. Yeah. And, and then you went to the, uh, to the CD and, uh, and then you went from the CD to... Uh, to um, probably uh, iTunes, things, you know, Amazon, and then just pure streaming. The whole thing's changed. And um, do you think it's lost, you know, the, the, the true essence of, of what music is? It's a you know, storytelling exercise. And uh, do you think it's, it doesn't seem the same? Performers have, the young performers have to jump through hoops to, to try to make a living. Mm. You know, when I started, um, publishers, you know, they would take a promising writer or singer and they'd give you enough money to live on for a year so you could do what you do so you could get better. 
But, uh, you know, I look at my kids, and my kids have a couple of day jobs, and a, and then they have to do all their work. And they, the, the thing is, uh, uh, music no longer is, is the engine of social change, like it was when we were growing up. So that's I'm not saying it's better or worse, but it's different. It's way different because it doesn't, it's not a cultural mover. Mm. which is unfortunate I think because listen even Plato uh, said uh, he said some music must be banned he said this to the political to the the government of his day he said some music must be banned because it stirs the blood or the passion of the people and will cause revolution and he's right. Great music mm. can lift a nation, you know. And uh, I don't think we have that right now. Do you think we'll ever see another, um, say, uh, Bob Dylan? I think we will, but I don't think we'll see it. I won't see it in my lifetime, I don't think. Mm. Great influence on you too, wasn't it? He was one of your um, major influences. Yeah. And your dad. Can't forget your dad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, my dad was, my dad never really, he just let me be, he, he didn't try to tell me, you know, he was, he sang with orchestras and, in New York and, and big bands and stuff, but he, he, he did say one great thing to me when I was starting it, he said, if you want to sing, learn to sing lyrics, you want to sing the lyrics of the song, Listen to how women sing lyrics as opposed to men. And he said they're much closer to the language mm. music than men seem to be. From right experience, too. They uh, sing from, yeah. from the heart. And uh, what, what was your first album, by the way? This is, I'm sort of digressing here. Forgive me. I do this all the time and I'll get yelled at later, but it's worth it. What, what was your first album you got? That I that I bought. Or? Yeah, for yeah, that that you the first album. I mean, there's I, I can recall the first one I I got. What was the first well, one that you actually had in your hands? This album. The first album I bought was 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 Free Wheel and Bob Dylan. Oh, but fantastic! First, first uh, little singles. I bought a bunch of little singles, and they were like um, Lead Belly. They were like work songs from the south. Wow. Chain, chain gang songs, which you never, you never heard any anything like that in Canada. I just, I just heard, heard them in the record store one day, and I bought them. They did. They weren't even albums. They were just singles, and forty um, fives. You know, mm. and, and uh, Canada was very white back back in the fifties, and but I. I had a I had a little radio my parents bought me, and I took the back of the radio and I attached a wire from the aerial screw, and I wrapped it around the drain pipe outside my window. <laughs> so our house became a giant aerial. <laughs> and so if there was if there was a storm, <laughs> that's right. That you wouldn't be here. In Cincinnati, yeah, well, that's where, if you were touching the radio, wouldn't be. But but also atmospherically, at night the, the radio waves bounced a lot. Mm. And if there were storms, 
I, I could I, I would sometimes get like gospel hours in in Louisiana and uh, church services, you know, in Biloxi and and just weird stuff you never heard in Canada. I was so captivated by it and moved by it. My first album, because my dad was a, a policeman and we lived in a, a small town. And my dad's favourite music was um, Pavarotti. Um, Mario Lanza, I think, was was one yeah. of these. So I I, I bought uh, Diamond Dogs from by David Bowie, and uh, he and he was a very good Catholic too. So I, I was uh, I was going to hell in a bread yeah. basket, basically. And, and my dad was going to help me get there at that stage. So I. Uh, <laughs> but you're lucky because you, your 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 dad and your family is uh, very very talented, very musically attuned, and that would have actually helped you explore. You know, yeah. What yeah. what Mark Jordan is all about too. Um, do you think this day and age? Because uh, you know, when I grew up, and you know, and it, you see it dying out that that bands or performers would perform at bars and pubs and small clubs every night, anywhere they could, for twenty or thirty bucks, just to tune themselves to hone in their skills. Nowadays, it's probably in the bathroom in front of a, a mirror. And then you got two minutes to to bash out a, a four minute track. Do you think that that is also a, a major problem with the uh, with what's happening to music these days? That you can't people can't write about their life experiences because at thirteen or fourteen, it's pretty pretty hard to do do that, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's um, I always considered the audience a part of my writing craft because. When you played live in a little, wherever you played, you know, and I played any place I could, like you say. Um, but you could, you could look at the audience and in, by the time you hit the second verse, you knew if that song was any good. If it connected with people. They, the audience would tell you real quick. And you could just, so I always... I always like observed the audience when I was singing when I was a young guy to just to see if what I was doing was not that I was trying to please them in a way, mm -hmm. but I just wanted to connect. I just wanted to make what I was saying palatable for the listener. Can you tell me um, Nashville is because Nashville not having having been there, but uh, the the headquarters for country music, um, and a lot of bars there, a lot of people playing country music. Do you think take away the country part, and and your wife who, you know, is very good at country music, but do you think the um, the whole the atmospherics of Nashville, uh, you know, really help your writing and help you you uh, again tune your your or hone in your skills even more. There's some great writers in Nashville, and it's not just country music anymore. It's all kinds of music, and it's really expanded, and and people are just there to work, and and uh, much like L.A. was in the '70s, you know, and and uh, when you know when I first went there when I was young, it was all hats and boots and. You know, three hours to write a song, it's done. But 
it's that it's changed and it's 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 deeper now i think and uh not all the stuff you hear on the radio is great but uh there's some great music coming out of that town and and uh you know the the the, the musicians are fantastic as mm. well mm. I, yeah i've cut a couple of records there and um it's just uh astonishing how good the players are right off the floor and i love cutting live you know i don't like doing with machines and that seems again we uh we're not picking on the uh, the industry but you know you can you can do an album in front of the front of the mirror um you could send yeah. you could uh download the files from various players put it together it hasn't got the same feel it's just um you no, haven't got that connection have you well, I don't, but young people seem to, you know, that like, uh, I, I, uh, I, I, I don't like to be judgmental mm -hmm. of modern music because uh, a lot of it is exceptional. Mm. You know, you look at what goes into it. I watch my son doing his stuff and the way he sings and his attention to detail. It's all done on a computer, but it's... And some of it, you know, he gets players in, but but the the thing is, they a lot of them can't afford to go into a studio and you know cut live stuff, and and so the, this this doing it in the box is because it's it's out of necessity, and um, so that but but they've they've made it work in, in a lot of cases. Some, a lot of it's crap and. A lot, you know. It, to be fair, a lot of stuff that was churned out in it, when I was doing it in my youth um, was crap too. <laughs> well, crap's you know? crap. <laughs> yeah, crap's crap. And there's going to be a certain amount of that. Mm. But um, but what I lament is that I really, you know, I really like the the music that created change politically. We were talking before I before you started taping about about the um, the, the Kent State murders in the states years and years ago and uh, Neil Young in one week there was a number one song called Four Dead in Ohio by Neil Young. One week, number mm -hmm. one. Mm -hmm. And uh, now there's kids getting slaughtered in their classrooms by kids coming in with machine guns you know and and we're repeating rifles and there's not no 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 song at all about it no nothing like that to sort of galvanize the public and uh i, I that's i find that sad but but it's because so there's a lot of reasons for it, and a lot of them are economic. Hmm. Um, reading about um, your uh, your detour from uh, the Mark Jordan, the public know, uh, lunch at Allen's, a quartet. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, now the name obviously it's, it, it means something. I'm not too sure what. Could you could you explain to us what we couldn't? It means? Find, we couldn't. We, Murray and Ian and I, and sometimes Cindy would have, we were 
friends that we get together at a restaurant called <laughs> Alan's Restaurant. <laughs> and so we, Murray said, let's, let's, we just, we were going to do a couple of shows for this guy who wanted just a couple of shows. He wanted us to do them. So we decided to do them. We said, well, what are we going to call ourselves? And uh, no one could figure out a name. I said, well, we we decided to do it at Alan's restaurant. Let's call it lunch at Alan's. And, it, and then and we thought we were only going to do four shows. But it just kept going. And it went for, it's gone for almost 20 years now. <laughs> that's Great. just, that's amazing. Tell us about the restaurant. Is it just, is it like a, uh, like a, a cheers bar or, or is it a, um, a little hole in the wall? Uh, Alan's restaurant? Yeah. yeah so a little bit like cheers, I guess. Mm. I've never really has an outdoor patio though which is nice but we uh you know we were uh, we usually ate inside because it's uh cold here in the winter and and uh but the food is great and mm. yeah, so it's close to everybody and we just used to have form just have it i guess tell us about your painting um is it a um, painter musician or is it musician dash painter at the moment or artist, sorry, artist, artist. Is that terrible calling you a painter? I'll show you one. Can you see that? Oh wow, that's oh that's beautiful. I call them flat music. Oh wow. Uh, they're uh, it's a, it, they're just music to me. Mm. And uh, I'm not really a painter. But I, I enjoy moving, you know, it's, it's our painting is tone and mm. architecture balance and, and, um, you know, light and dark and, 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 and design. And, and it's the same with songwriting. It's, it's tonal and it's architectural in a way. And it's, uh, so I, I look at it almost the same thing. Mm. When you perform in front of a, uh, an audience, what's the thing that uh, really kickstart your, um, it gives you that, that zip, that, that feeling? What, what actually is it the, the, um, the audience, how they react to your music or that you connect to them when you're performing and you're talking to them between songs? What, what actually is a part of the live performance that, that 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 you love and that you're missing at the moment. Well, I do miss it. I used to I I used to not like playing live when I was young. I didn't really enjoy it that much. And I'll tell you why. Because when I go to a concert, I'm always like critiquing it. Because it's my business, right? Mm -hmm. And so when I was young, I thought everybody was there to critique your performance. Everybody mm -hmm. was looking critically, you know. But then I realized far too late, but I did finally realize that people just come to enjoy music that they love. And uh, they're not there to criticize you. They're there to share the love and the enjoyment of music. Mm. And once I figured that out, I began to love it. And I began to 
see how it's just a two-way street that I, I love to sing for people. And they sort of love to be there and be entertained. And they love, you know, music is very powerful. Mm. It, it, it really reaches people in a very soulful way at, at its best. And uh, so you're lucky that when, when people come to your concerts, they want to be there, basically. So it's great. I, I, I'm just, uh, I feel very lucky every time a person buys a ticket, I feel very COVID-19, um, you may not have heard about it, terrible, no. terrible disease. It's on, I, you know, they'll put it on my cereal one day, I can see it, uh, free of COVID-19. But anyway, mm-hmm. that, but it's a, really affected um, uh, the entertainment industry, uh, anything to do with, with anything live. Um, and we really don't know where we're going to go with COVID-19. What do you think the impact is at the moment and where do you think it's going to go? Well, it's devastating uh, on so many levels. I think um, people are going to start. Do you remember um, that show, Daryl's House? Yes. I had to think about that one. Yeah. It was Daryl, you know, Daryl Hall and John Oates. Yes. Yeah. And he, he was way ahead of the curve. He, he did a show from his house, and he got bands to come and play. Mm. They filmed it, they mixed it, and they put it on. They, they, they broadcast it. But now, because of the Internet, people are doing live streams, but they sound like shit. Mm. Right? They don't sound very good at all. But the technology is changing rapidly. There's a number of companies working on a way to make a live performance um, from anywhere sounds good. Yeah, a friend of mine, uh, Maureen Baker in Florida, she's a, um, a photographer with a, uh, with a pill and, and, uh, and other artists been involved. Yeah. And, um, and uh, she sent me a text the, the other day, said she's uh, uh, back to work, she thinks, with virtual concerts. I got, got virtual concerts. And um, yeah. I thought, really? But she, she said, yep, the technology is, um, as you said, really, really, um, it's, um, it's spiffing, as they would say in England. It's so, but it's not the same, though. I mean, sure, you can sit in front no, of the TV not. with a scotch or a whiskey and, and um, you could, you know, uh, make it's it not. smoky, but it's not the same. It's not. But here, there, there's, there's a problem in, on both ends. I, I, I think it, it's going to be a balance of both. I think live, but I, you know, I've got a lot of fans in in Japan, and I have fans in in Sweden and and Finland and and Paris, and I can't afford to take a haul a, an entire band over and play a few dates over there and come home. Mm. So for those people, maybe I even have a few fans in Australia. Oh, you do. I'll never, I'll never make it back there. Maybe. So, um, it's great that I'll be able to play live a show for Australia, and then 
and then have some interaction on the on the internet you know which would be mm. great you know uh, um, sure the live you, you can't beat the live experience mm. you really can't but this is but then again access is everything too right mm. you did because I get letters I use especially from Sweden when are you coming back when are you coming back and I probably ain't coming back. I'd love to, but it's just the economics aren't there anymore. Mm. So I'd love to come back, but I can't afford it. But I can't afford, I turn my garage into a performance space. It's, it's under construction right now. Wow. And you can see, it's fantastic. And it'll be like a little studio and a performance space, big enough you know, for a grand piano and guitar player and bass player. And uh, horn players, mm -hmm. and uh, so I can play for people in Australia, and uh, in in a way that's interactive mm -hmm. to, to a certain degree, and and will actually sound great. Mm. So probably sound better than the live gig at times. It's always that feedback. I always love that bit. You, yeah. you know that you're in a live gig when you... Yeah. Or, or you can't hear the, uh, the performer sing because <laughs> the sound guy has gone to sleep or, or to the bathroom. It's always, always, always great. Always adds a bit of stress to the, con <laughs> to the concert. <laughs> um, what, if you were a, um, uh, a musician uh, or an artist or an artiste, what do you think you would have been? I mean, it's a corny question, but I often wonder, I think, what would you have been? Would you have been um, an astronaut? Uh, probably not, <laughs> but, uh, but I don't know. What would you have been? And because you have dyslexia, uh, that yep. would have limited to what you could have done. Yeah. Although, yeah. at the same time, you start to focus in what really is important. So what, maybe you're just a, a poet. Well, you are a poet anyway, so... Um, yeah, that you know, the, um, I'll tell you my, I have a, since I was a kid, I have a love of horses and I've owned horses and I, I miss being around them. I'm not around them much anymore. And, and uh, maybe I just would bought a farm somewhere. You yeah. could have been the fifth person in Bonanza. <laughs> yeah. And for those, by the way, wondering what Bonanza is, it was this great cowboy show. Did it, was it ever in Australia? Oh, hell yeah. It was fantastic. Lauren Green was from Toronto. and he, he was a friend of my father's. Oh, wow. And uh, I remember him when I was a young, young kid. But your, your family is more like, the, as I said, the Von Trapp family uh, of Toronto or, or the Brady Bunch, but not as many. Not as many. No, but we're all, we can all sing, that's for sure. My wife's unbelievable. We're going to leave this now with a, a track which, uh, first of all, uh, this is How Men Cry. Um, I didn't come across this album, by the way, five years after it was released. Oh. And truly, it would be one of my favourite of all time albums. Wow. And it's just stunning. And... Um, I just really, really loved it. Just before we get into the track and we wave our goodbyes, um, 
tell us about the album, uh, just, just for me, because I would like to know the decision to do it, uh, collaboration, time it took to put out, you know, the, all, the, uh, all the interesting stuff. Well, I, you know, I think I was, I had, I had young kids, very young. And I was kind of becoming uh, um, more in tune with my emotions. I found it, being a father was very emotional for me. And uh, I, I just, and I realized that men, and particularly myself, didn't really show a lot of feelings in my. I got married late. I. You know, at 39, I married Amy. I didn't have kids, so I was in my 40s. And I've been a, kind of shut off emotionally, and a lot of men are. Mm. And I just, so I thought, I'm going to write a record that's about men and about feelings and about not having feelings and about having feelings, and, you know. Mm. And so that's how, that's the genesis of it. Listen, before we go, do you know Rene Gare? Oh, Rene Gare, one of the great Australian performers from rock to balance to jazz. Well, I need to say a shout out to her because I worked with her in LA and she is unbelievable. Unbelievable. I used to see, I used to see her when she was younger and I was much younger at a, a pub in... Geelong it was, Geelong in Victoria in Australia, and um, uh, it was called the Eureka Hotel. That's where you used to walk in, they could smoke in those days, and you stood on the carpet and your feet got stuck on the carpet because it hadn't been cleaned for 10 years. And, and you drank really cheap whiskey, and I recall Rene performing up there, and you only, it's like a small bar, but it was a lot wilder than a small bar would normally be. And I thought she was just stunning. So uh, Renee Gale, just a, I mean, what, she's a legend. And speaking of Australia, um, uh, you worked with Frank Housen on a, um, a movie, um, yeah. uh, a Boulevard of Broken Dreams. That you know, the the title track, and I've, gee, that other one, it just skipped me at the moment. But it's, um, I th- one of the great songs you've done, I think, anyway. Wow. Okay. There's oh, some Frank. Amazing and uh, and John Capek. Yes, writing partner for years. And then um, the Manhattan transfer track, um, um, Soldier Fortune. Soldier of Fortune, and the album in Australia with uh, uh, John Paul Young was uh, War Games. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But again, and, and and it's really hard to find that album, by the way. Although I do have a cassette of it. <laughs> huh. I just um, got to find a cassette. I'm a great song that Renee is on mm. and uh, a whole bunch of guests like the, the singer you know from uh, Mr. Mr. and uh, Richard Page and mm. a whole bunch of people are on this record and we did it to raise money to save the Amazon mm-hmm. and uh, Renee is featured on the end of that song it's called Burning Down the Amazon it's probably on Spotify and Renee's on that, and every time I hear it, I, I just, uh, just kills me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you'll get zero 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 point four percent of yeah. of that royalty. So, if yeah. 
So if everybody in the world listens, if everyone listens to it for like twice, uh, you'll get 120 bucks for it. And that's really great. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but Spotify did pay Joe Rogan um, $100 million for three years. So maybe podcasting, yeah, a radical left podcast from uh, Mark Jordan might might help. Yeah. Okay. I might, I might do it. The, the album is This Is How Men Cry, uh, 99, and when it came out, uh, Mike Ryan heard it in about 2004, but anyway, uh, Slow Bombing the World, uh, great track, love the performance of this, Mark Jordan, I have to say again, it's like, you know, when you get all gooey, and it's like, oh, I've met someone that I really, really admire, and, and I appreciate it, even though it's only virtual, which is probably, you know, from your point of view, you're very safe. <laughs> yes. Well, I don't want to get any goo on me, but I have to say back at you because this has been a really great hour. Thank you. Thank you very much. Mark Jordan. in Paris where the windows look out to sea so many people stayed there some dead and some like me I saw Chet Baker's name on the wall of the restaurant and Timothy Leary carved on the window in 503 Night in Algeria and It's midnight on the Midnight Express It's all part of evolution, baby Slow bombing the world Slow bombing the world Walks on the bricks of heaven I Saw the boats on the sand Met an old friend I used to talk to Till the morning came He's living with Evelyn Paints stuff and he walks around town All cigarettes and magazines And I know I've lost What he has found Slow bomb in the world, yeah. Slow bombing. written on 
on the subway wall. Russian girls love American boys. There's a hotel in Paris where the windows look out to sea. Girl with a candle burning, playing for free, and her face looks like an angel looking up at me. Slow bombing the world. Bomb in the world.